Well, good afternoon, Facebook fam. <clears throat> so let's continue on from where we left off yesterday. Uh, we left off yesterday at uh, Genesis 3, so we're going to pick it up at Genesis 4. So we find here in Genesis 4 the story of Cain and Abel. And so Adam and Eve had uh, Cain and Abel. They had other kids as well, but uh, this is about Cain and Abel. And uh, for whatever reason, when it came to offerings, um, uh, Abel offered uh, or his offerings were more uh, acceptable to God than Cain's were. And so um, so Cain decides he's going to kill Abel. And uh, that seems to be pretty drastic, but that's what he decided to do. So the Lord says uh, in verse seven, chapter four, verse seven, if you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. And so we see here that sin is waiting for Cain to make a mistake. Sin is like a person. If you treat sin as a person, then it, it kind of makes more sense in a lot of contexts. And so uh, the Lord is telling Cain that sin is um, uh, is crouching at your door waiting for you, brother. What you going to do? And so, um, so, but Cain subsequently in verse, verse uh, eight, he tells Abel, let's go out into the field. And then he kills him. And then the Lord says to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And Cain says, well, what are you asking me for? Am I my brother's keeper? He's, he's getting kind of mouthy with the Lord. And then in verse 10, it says, then he said, the, then uh, he being God, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And so therefore you're going to be cursed. And so we see here that, that, uh, that Cain is, gets cursed and all his work and everything. And he says, this is too much to bear. And the Lord essentially says, you made the decision, man. And so you have to deal with the consequences. And so, you know, this, this is, again, as we talk about personal responsibility, as the word talks about personal responsibility, it's not letting anybody off the hook. You make a decision. You have to deal with the consequences. And so because he knows the motives of your heart and he knew what Cain was uh, going to do or what he was dealing with. And so. There, uh, there's that. And so we go through the word and we continue going through or chapter five, chapter six and whatnot. And we're going through the history of man. And as far as people being uh, born subsequent to Cain and Abel, and then, um, and then we get to finally get to Noah. And then, um, at this point, the Lord is sick and tired. Now this is hundreds of years later. The Lord is sick and tired of mankind. And in verse five, in chapter, what chapter is this? Chapter six, it says, when the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was deeply grieved. And so the, the, the Lord had made man to walk with him, but Adam sinned in the garden. Sin enters into the picture of mankind. And then he, here we see that Lord is sick of mankind. So he has a solution for this. So he says, okay. Uh, he talks to Noah. He tells Noah what he's about to do, how he's going to flood the earth and he tells Noah how to prepare for it. He said, I want you to build this ark. I want you to take your family. I want you to take two by twos as far as animals are concerned, get them on the ark and whatnot. Cause I'm a, I'm essentially do a reset or restart because this is, 
this has gotten out of hand. This is too much. I did not create mankind to be like this. And so he's going to do a reset. And so then we see that Noah builds the ark. He tries to warn people, but they don't listen. They're getting married and doing other things. And next thing you know, the flood comes and everybody on the face of the earth, except for Noah and the animals are wiped out. And then uh, in verse or chapter eight, in verse two, 21, the Lord says, I will never again curse the ground because of human beings, even though the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth onward. And I will never again strike down every living thing as I as I have done. And so as long as the earth endures, this is uh, verse 22, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter and day and night will not cease. And so the Lord says, I've done this once. I'm not going to do it again. And so uh, to me, it has some implications with regard to today and what we're dealing with with this virus and whatnot. There have been they didn't call them viruses in the past. They call them plagues. And so plagues would come on and, 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 and people would get killed. And there have been plagues and famines throughout the history of man. But never like the flood has mankind been wiped out because the Lord had promised that I've already done this once and I'm not going to do it again. And so um, and we see here that that, in fact, has not has has is what has transpired. And so uh, because of the word, you know, I have strong belief we're not in the process of being eliminated as far as this virus is concerned, even though it's, it's wrecking havoc and bringing about destruction and, and lives. And we personally have experienced loss from uh, friends and we haven't lost anybody in the family, but friends and associates. Um, just out of the blue, and uh, it's been certainly been a, uh, a humbling experience and, and a sad one as we have dealt with the loss of others that we have known in the past. And so if we move on to, uh, to chapter 9, uh, the Lord is making a covenant with Noah, and um, so he's describing life as it's to be subsequent to the flood. And in verse three, chapter nine, verse three, he says, every creature that lives and moves will be food for you. And so as I have uh, the green plants, I have given you everything. And so he's basically eliminating any any um, uh, embargo on what you can eat, if you will. So he's saying that, you know, everything I've given, be it plant or animal, you can eat. Every creature that lives and moves will be food for you. As I gave uh, the green plants, I have given you everything. However, you must not eat meat with its blood in it. And so, you know, um, so like in the Jewish communities, they, they don't do anything rare, you know, because it can't have any blood in the meat. <clears throat> I don't happen to like rare meats either. I like it cooked through. But this is what the Lord is telling them then. Uh, Verse five. And I will require a penalty for your lifeblood. So the Lord is telling Noah that, that if something happens to you or yours and you or yours blood is spilled, i.e. killed, I will require a penalty for that. People just can't go around killing each other. Uh, <clears throat> I will require it from any animal or from any human. If someone murders a fellow human, I will require that person's life. And so first of all, we have to remember and recall that we're in the Old Testament. Okay, and for those that aren't familiar with the difference, 
And so Jesus came and through the cross after Jesus was crucified, then a lot of the Old Testament commandments and whatnot were, if you will, swallowed up in the crucifixion of Jesus and, and the covenant changed. How, how you exercise the covenant, how you meet the covenant, things have changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But again, we're in the Old Testament here. And so he's saying killing people, that's not cool. And it says uh, in verse six, whoever sheds human blood by humans, his blood will be shed for God made humans in his image. And so God has said, look, I made you in my image. You look like me. Therefore, you can't go around essentially killing me. I'm not going to have it. That's not going to be the case. We're not dealing with that. And so he's laying it out for Noah with regard to what the rules are going to be going forward. And so <clears throat> that's what happens there. Um, I uh, here's an interesting one. And so if we go to verse uh, chapter 9, verse 13, he says, I have placed my bow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I form clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all the living creatures. And so in other words, whenever we see a rainbow in the sky, that's a sign from the Lord reminding people of the covenant he has with us. And so whenever you see a rainbow, after it rains and you see a rainbow, that's not just a rainbow, that's a sign. It's like, look, I'm here. I'm still here. There's a covenant between me and you. And this is a reminder I'm sending to you that I remember you, that I have not forgotten you, that we are in this thing together. And so whenever you see that rainbow, be reminded of the covenant between uh, the Lord and his people. And so as we move on, uh, there's some interesting things that that take place next. So Noah had three sons. And from them, the whole earth was populated, okay, from these three sons. And so essentially, the Lord came, sent the flood, wiped out everybody except for Noah and his family. And then, therefore, when the earth started getting repopulated, everybody's origins are from Noah and his sons, everybody's origins. And so you go back far enough, we are all brothers and sisters because everybody's origins come from the same place. <clears throat> and it says in verse 19, well, in verse 18, Noah's sons who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three, in verse 19, these three were Noah's sons. And from them, the whole earth was populated. This is the word. From them, the whole earth was populated. Everybody, everybody was populate from, populated from these three. And so uh, I want to read something to you because, again, I'm in the Tony Evans Commentary Bible. And this is his commentary on these scriptures. And so first, um, if I go back a little bit, Noah got drunk and then Ham found him. And uh, he didn't, he, he, he tried to take advantage of his father. And so Ham sinned. And so um, if we read here in, in verse 20 through 29, as far as um, Evan's commentary, Noah's sinful drunkenness provided the setting for another sinful act. Ham saw his father naked. And rather than covering his nakedness, Ham ridiculed his father to his brothers. This led to the curse on Ham's son, 
Canaan. Uh, Canaan. This happened because some of Canaan's line uh, would continue in unrighteousness following in the footsteps of Ham's example. Since Ham was the father of black people, and since his descendants were cursed to be slaves because of his sin, some have argued that Africans and their descendants are destined to be slaves. Due to the curse of Ham, due to this curse of Ham theory, there existed a myth of inferiority and apparent biblical roots in Christian history and culture. This myth became an authoritative one because it was rooted in a purported theology and slave owners used them uh, and used this twisted belief system to sustain a preferred sociology. Unfortunately, this contributed to the establishment of a continuation of a distorted myth of black uh, inferiority in the American Christian psyche. <clears throat> this interpretation of the curse of Ham is incorrect due to multiple reasons. Canaan, Ham's son, was cursed, not Ham himself. How, how then could all black people everywhere be cursed? The Bible also places limitations on curses, only three or four generations at most. Moreover, moreover the curse, uh, the curse, the, can, the canine and his descendants, uh, Canaan and his descendants would be slaves, finds its most obvious fulfillment in the ongoing defeat of subjugation of the Canaanites by Israel. The descendants of Ham's other sons have continued to this day as national peoples in Ethiopia, Ethiopia descended from Cush, uh, Egypt, Egypt descended from uh, Mizraham, and Libya, which is descended from Put. And so those were all of, of Ham's uh, kids, and not all of them were cursed. And so we find that there are some roots of this belief um, in people taking the word and twisting it. And we see this all the time. People take scripture out of context and twist it for their own use and for their own purposes. And so unless you have a contextual understanding of what's in the word, then you are subject to doing the same thing. And so we cannot do that. We cannot cherry pick the word. We have to take it all in context and see what's being said, see what's being communicated and not try to pull it apart. And so tomorrow we'll pick up uh, in verse or excuse me, chapter 10 or 11.